Just a reminder before we get started that Riff and Rock Music Talk can be heard wherever you go. You can go now to www.stitcher.com and search for Riff and Rock and you will find us. Or you can download the Stitcher app and take us wherever you go. Holy shit, how amazing is that? So you can now listen to us on your iPhones, your iPods, your iPads, your iMacs, your Emacs, your iPad Airs, your MacBook Airs, your Android devices, including... Well, all of them. There's a lot of them. I'm not going to list all of those. It'd be a much longer list. You can listen to us on our, your blackberries, your blueberries, your raspberry pies, your palm prees, your eHelio devices on your palm pilots. You can also still listen to us on your desktop at riffandrock.com or find us on iTunes. Now, back to the show. Hey everyone, how's it going? Uh, welcome to a new episode of Riff and Rock Music Talk. Uh, this is Alex here. Ryan's not here. Uh, he just recently had a baby, so um, he's off doing the dad thing now. But we soldier on. We have two guests. Uh, Nathan Clark, who is a young man. Nathan, how are you doing? Welcome to the show. Doing pretty well. Thank you, Alex. And then we have a filmmaker, someone on the other side of the art art spectrum and avid green partyist uh armando How- okay only for the past like three weeks uh, <laughs> he's hopping on the jill stein bandwagon like a motherfucker armando welcome to the show welcome welcome armando alvarez oh, that's close alvarez. alvarez that's how i say it with my jersey accent oh <laughs> <laughs> All right, but uh, so the reason I have these two on the show is um, so for for the all fifteen sixteen of you that really overly love Omar Rodriguez Lopez, you will know. Oh yeah, that starting True. in July he declared twelve albums in twenty sixteen, and we're halfway done with the year. We're like Omar, how's this gonna happen? He's like idiots. Listen, two two albums a month. He's just gonna barf out so much music, which is fantastic. I think neither of us, none of us are complaining about this. Um, but so July has ended, and it's time to talk about the first two releases: uh, Sworn Virgins and Corazones. Sworn Virgins. I think that's a Corazones. 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 No. See, I took two years of Spanish, so yeah. Well, I'm gonna just. Start off free form, uh, Armando and Nathan. What, let's start with the first album. Uh, accidentally yeah. leaked on Rhapsody about a week or two early. Then it was properly released. Accidentally, it was. Well, that's true. It was. Who knows how that happened? It was really weird. Um, mm-hmm. And ex- wh- whoever's job is at Rhapsody to put music out accidentally put it out early. And we found out because there was like a website somehow. Like somebody at like the f- the ORL project social media team like founded a website and somebody on the comatorium found the website and the website had like 24 squares on it, empty squares and oh, it had a date. Yeah. And we were like, what's this date? Oh my God. <laughs> and so for whatever reason, but we got to listen to it, but let's, so let's start off with the first album, Schwarn Virgins. Uh, <laughs> Nathan, Armando, what did you guys think of Sworn Virgins? Armando, go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to have to tell. It's just like a debate, man. You're going to have to pick one. Okay. Well, just to put some context, um, this is this came, I, this was recorded, what, in, I think, 2011, 2012? 
um, somewhere around there, featuring Omar on guitar and D'Antoni Parks on his uh, what he's been calling the techno self get up, as far as we know, which would be the a sampling keyboard, keyboard playing samples, and a hi hat and a drum. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's crazy. It's a crazy cuckoo person album. <laughs> That's, that's a, good a way, way to, describe it. to describe it. Yeah, it's bonkers. A, yeah, it's bonkers two So I guess you. Know what, uh, let's. Well, then we'll start with Ar- Armando. First impressions. Sworn virgins. Okay. I, all right. Well, if you look at it in the context of this release of albums, you got to pick the first album, right? What are you going to show the people first? And I think this is a great. Um, it's sort of it's both new and familiar at the same time for Omar fans, where it's like, okay, it's something his tone, his style, but it's like, you know, a new, it's like a little poppier, it's a little more abrasive, it's him singing with a lot of effects, so it's still new, but it's probably the most familiar Omar album that we're going to see from the rest of the batch, you know? There's something for us to be like, oh, cool, yeah, a new Omar album, it sounds good, it's a lot of good tracks, and I love it, mm-hmm. it's really catchy, but, uh, yeah. yeah you know, that's like that's something album. that I hadn't really thought of, sorry to interrupt you, but that's something no, I hadn't that's... really thought about, is like the... Um, just like how kind of bigger responsibility it's taking on being the first of the series. And and I think it, you know, you're right. It is a pretty good, solid, you know, first little thing to break our, you know, 2016, 12 album cherries with. So <laughs> how long has it been since the last, since the Omar dry spell started? Oh, I think so 2013, you had the last release of solo extraño. I think is how yeah. you pronounce that, um, which was a very contested album. Um, and it was part of a lo- sort of a four-album series yeah. of these sort of minimalistic electronic albums with very lo-fi production. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so just very at least dis- three years then. Right, which for, yeah, yeah. which for any other artist, you'd be like, oh, three years, that's normal. Like, hey, The Strokes <laughs> put out an album three years ago. Okay, we're cool. But since <laughs> Omar had a penchant for just dumping albums out every other like every other month for about ten years before that, we're like, what the fuck, Omar? And so... <laughs> I, Armando makes a really valid point that it, it, I know it sounds silly, but like th- this is bear in mind, Sworn Virgins is album number twenty-seven, solo album, not including Mars Volta at the Drive and everything else. Twenty-seven yeah. solo album, so it's like is that all the Nuevo Grupo and the Grupo yeah. del Omar, all the mm-hmm. okay. everything that's sort of loosely under the Omar solo umbrella. And mm. with that in mind, you, it, there's sort of a big thing to live up to is because his original release of Soul Album sort of ended on a, n- not a te- te- per, per se a sour note, but it was definitely like a mixed mixed reception where some people yeah. lo- like really dug it, but I think a lot of people also really weren't enjoying that. So and he, you're, you're, he very clearly yeah. was on the track of departure. You know, He was doing right. his own thing to the most we'd ever seen, and then... Yeah, some of the lyrics, actually. Uh, I'm not sure which of these two albums, but at some point he says something like, like, I wanted to take a few years to something or other. And I, I keep hearing that when I listen, and I think it's relevant. And, my, and it's on mm. the first album. I think it's the first track, even. Yeah. Yeah. So let's let's uh, dive right into Sworn Virgins. We, we start off with this one-two, sort of one song um, of Pineapple Face and Not Even Toad Loves You. And it just... <laughs> This album just blows up in a strange collection of guitar tones and samples and very distorted Omar vocals. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, go ahead, Nate. What do you think? What do you uh, make of that epic? Well, um, such a great track, I really think. The, well, the two, the combination. And uh, yeah, it's 
it's very similar, you know, it's, it's like kind of getting us back into, you know, what we had experienced back in 2013 with all those, you know, electronic solo albums. It gets us back into that, but with, uh, I think, not necessarily a better production and mixing, but it's definitely more uh, accessible to the ears, and it's easier to take in that, and it also still has all those electronic elements, and but the choruses... That's the thing that I've noticed that's, you know, a lot different with uh, these two albums of this new series, you know, according to the, uh, or, you know, apart from the past albums, is that the fucking choruses, they're, they're like, on point, and they are very catchy, um, for most of the tracks, that is. But yeah, later you wouldn't say he even has choruses in his earlier work. Yeah, yeah, really. Like, like with uh, Solo Extraño, you know, I was actually just listening to that last night. Now, something I was really trying to look for is any sort of melody that, you know, repeated or anything, but really, it's just kind of like, I don't know. <laughs> a lot of it feels uh, like de- like solo extraño, and again, I think this is part of what le- left that saga rough, or with a sort of a rough impression, is like, especially that album doesn't really feel like a complete work. It, felt, it sort of has like a, this is sort of demos or half ideas kind of sort of done. Like, I think a really good example is you have Horror Original on that album, which obviously mm-hmm. was then revamped into a live format, where, like, it doesn't, it just feels like, this This is something we're going to get to at some point, but we're not quite there yet. Where, and I think you make this valid point of, like, the mixing and the production Sworn Virgins makes it just feel more like this is a done piece of work, rather than, like, oh, shit, there's some stuff on my hard drive I can smash together and throw out. <laughs> throw out onto bank yeah and these well, idiots but, will always pay, uh, spend money on it <laughs> well true true good <laughs> for him too i mean whew, i would love to do that but uh i think something that also kind of brings it back to that whole thrown together feel is um how this record isn't really dense there isn't too many layers and too many uh, tracks really uh, i i think so i, I think so because you know i th- it really feels like omar and deontony did as they said just kind of went into the studio and then jammed sure. you know he would like you know put a i think it, he said he would like uh have an octaver on his guitar and do you know a bass part yeah. that he would loop he did do um he did do one layover again like he said deontony did one recording period the whole thing so that's like his all the percussion and the samples but then omar was playing with him at the time and then he went over it again yeah. one more time so you hear an octavized layer, and then you hear his extra layer, and he's also doing singing. So, mm-hmm. I mean, and if I you think... listen with headphones, like the beginning of Pineapple Face, there's this mid-tone, bassy frequency melody playing that I didn't even pick up at all for a couple weeks there. Like, there's a whole melody that is just, like, you know, him improvising or right. something and that's I, in there. And that's where I'm sort of shocked when you say it doesn't feel dense, where I feel like this entire album, I feel like I'm being barraged with... Yeah. Different. I mean, some of it's the sonic frequencies are a little strange. Maybe mm-hmm. rhythmic. Well, rhythmically, there's some crazy shit on there too. Like oh, I don't yeah, remember yeah. which track. But, you know, oh god! Like, I, I bet you won't Ooh. do this. Is the lyric that he says, or is yeah. it? Yeah. Uh, yeah. No. No. That. That's this. it. And then like uh, Deontony comes in with just that. Oh. 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 What is it like five eight over three? That's what I, I'm thinking. I don't, oh, I don't know, <laughs> but like that that like uh, that delay on his voice is definitely not like on uh, uh, like uh, a quarter note beat. Yeah, yeah, that's it's like kind of on like oh, it's his just all over the place. Like, pulse. Yeah, that's <laughs> a really great example of the two of them. You know that the music that they're latched onto in their heads is the same thing that exists in space, as they like to say, right? And then they're <laughs> reacting to mm-hmm. the same non-corporal in, input and producing something that, you know, the two of them are totally 
separate from each other if you listen to what they're oh, yeah. making, but they're yeah. locked into that tempo and that key and this song as it exists, and they can just go totally off. That's what's so great about these musicians. They can just go totally oh, yeah. away from the source in a three-minute pop song. Right. And it's really impressive. <laughs> and that's like, I mean, they're three-minute pop songs, and it's two people, but it's still, I remember when this first like leaked out that wasn't enough credits. I'm like, I, there's got to be like three, four people on this record. And, or at least, like, I was I was convinced it was for at least four people on the record. And also, I'm like, oh, no, it's two. And they did one, they just did one uh, overdub. Yeah. And it reminded me a lot of, like, some Zappa records where Zappa would, like, hey, I'm going to take this recording from this concert and this recording from, like, I'm going to take the mm-hmm. isolated bass track from this song and the isolated drums from this song and my and a guitar part from this song. I'm just going to throw them all together. And because <laughs> they sort of are the same BPM, like, it works. Yeah. Like, I had yeah, no that's idea that explain. he did that. That's awesome. So if you like, you listen to his record "Shake Your Booty." There's a couple songs that just they sound like just jams, and like or instrumentals. But and you're like, okay, cool. But if you dig into it, actually, he went, oh, I just like pulled out this recording I did in this recording, like two completely separate recordings, smashed them together, and went, nope, sounds great. And yeah. this has a vibe like that where it's like they were kind of like you mentioned, like they were kind of almost in their own universes, but somehow they crash into each other. But like at the live at the live time, not, like, separate recordings. Whereas I feel like with that upcoming album, uh, Aranyas, and what is it, Oranges in the Evening? I'm, I don't know. But, in the um, summer, summer, summer yeah, like something like that. Yeah, in the su- summer? No, who knows? Uh, <laughs> sorry, summer. Omar. Um, <laughs> but, like, he probably, like, the credits, like you're talking about, they're pulled from, like, 2009 or 2000, it's recording date is 2012 or something, and you're talking about a bassist who was last with the band in, like, 2002 or something. Yeah, that's and, gonna be a plundered album. Yeah, yeah, that, that should be really interesting to see him doing some very Zappa-esque things, I imagine. Yeah. Um, I... What was I gonna say? Well, Fuck. let me ask you guys <laughs> yeah. something. Um, what do you think about the lyrical content, at least for this first one, Sworn Virgins? Did you pick up on anything? Themes? Because I totally am piecing things together, and I want to know if I'm on track here. Mm-hmm. Okay, then, unfortunately, like, for this one, that's where you're going to kind of lose me, because uh, I unfortunately, like, just haven't really read too much into it, and I haven't yeah. picked up on many things with how uh, kind of not necessarily drown in effects compared to the past electronic era right, albums, right. but it's, it's pretty, uh, it's kind of buried some of the, uh, you know, lyrics. Occasionally, occasionally a really strong line will stick out, which I think is really cool about this album. Really mm-hmm. strong in the sense that it's unconventional, but abstract poetic. Like, I mean, the first thing that stuck out was, uh, is it really so easy to confuse you with a frying pan? And like, yeah. it just makes yeah. you think like, what is he talking about? And a lot of the lyrics on here, I think it almost might relate to the other album, even though the other album was written um, for a soundtrack. You know, right. I, I see some similarities in the lyrics here, uh, and the, I don't want to. I don't want to knit too much, but we can assume, I think, that this is, these are sort of breakup albums, and there's lots of references to house fires. And yes. I mean, you know, like we can just mm-hmm. we can just leave that alone and just think about it. I think it's pretty. You know, there's a lot of deep emotions in this album especially like he's letting a lot of stuff out he feels yeah, it feels, definitely, yeah it feels way less obtuse than other releases and yeah like it, and i think nate's right where there's a challenge of catching everything because it is so it's still his vocals are still pretty buried in effects or like uh, uh i don't know the exact term where like all of a sudden there's like three or four of them stacked on top of each other and well, I'm surprised to see that he put out official lyrics with that music video. So for To Kill a Chi-Chi, we know that it makes absolutely no sense. <laughs> <That's cool. laughs> yeah, um, yeah. But like, so, but yeah, when you listen to especially Pineapple Face and not even Toad Loves You, it clearly sounds, I lack a better expression, it sounds like a diss track. 
where he like he's clearly yeah. calling somebody out. Like there's a line, pardon the pardon the term, but he says like you you couldn't be a spick if you tried. Um, <laughs> or I didn't even get to that. <laughs> that's really it's like that's the one that like always pops out. Is just like that um, one pops you, out. Or well, see, and it. like I think on that track, he I mean you can definitely tell like you know you guys have been saying it's it's pretty emotional and yeah. maybe even yeah break up because he's like especially on pineapple face and toad loves you with that uh line that you said armando uh with the uh why is it so easy to confuse you with the frying pan he's just fucking screaming that he's like why is it, it so sounds angry. and it's it's intense or he talks and about like views. yeah and he talks about like burning down like instead of doing something we burnt down the house and like i there's a really good piece line um yeah uh if you wanted a man then maybe you shouldn't have married a fucking child and i think that's a great uh, line, yeah. line to stand up for like yeah you know what like you know stop trying to change me stop trying to shape me into a better man like you right, know right. you know why'd you marry me if you wanted to change me into something else and that's something i can really relate to and <laughs> yeah. i can appreciate him just standing up for that and being like yeah you know i'm gonna be a freak who cares you know like what your freak flag man and i think yeah. i think uh Obviously, at the at the time when this was recorded, you can kind of make venture some guesses. Obviously, you know, even if we throw out guesses, who knows if it's about like Cedric or Juan or Hamino or like people he was falling out with in that era. Oh, yeah, a lot of mm-hmm. stuff like that will just be like, you know, I felt this way about someone one time, but it's, I don't mean it. You know, like I and would, he has like, a bad tendency to do that. He has yeah, such a bad tendency yeah. to be like, oh, I fuck, I, lo- I love this guy. He's my best. Like, fuck him. He was a piece of shit. It's shit. Fuck it. Oh, like two years later, man. Art, man. <laughs> Yeah, and so, and that's what I ha- I struggle with an album like this where he's clearly talking about people, and I'm like, yeah, but like, give it two years, and you're gonna go. They were the heart and soul. They if without them, <laughs> and I'm like, dude, dude, you got You got pick one or the yeah. other. Yeah, yeah. He's definitely wearing his heart on his sleeve, which you know, for someone that's been shut away for so long, for for his own reference, you know, um, you know, it's a strong thing to come out with. Can we talk about uh, the wonderful drunken swagger song that is Crow's Feet? for a second sure yeah because <laughs> i love that song has just like a like it's two, total blues man it's, it's total so blues swampy. And, and, that's and it's yeah. like the oh shit i just had one too many song where you're like i gotta sober up i really gotta sober up and just that bump 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 and then he's sa- and then d'anthony's sampling the crow's feet statement over mm-hmm. and over again oh god it's a, it's a really fat like kind of rhythm it's just solid corners and yeah, it's yeah, yeah it's a pretty heavy song it's a it's a jam. I think there's some really cool uh, some guitar work on there where he's really just letting loose. Um, but for me, the personal standout is a little later on. Logged into Bliss. I think that's some incredible some some hooky samples, like some really good samples. But just you know, it starts with this weird garage punk riff, and then for ten seconds, fifteen seconds, it's a really long intro, and then totally disappears, and you're in this weird like three four chuggy. Or it's not. It's actually four four, but it's like I don't know. They're doing like a yeah, seven just, eight and holding yeah. a rest. It's really like yeah, yeah, a fun, a fun, time, fun four four. <laughs> and and speaking of like the rhythms of logged into bliss, like I think that and you know the the other two tracks after that, I think that is whenever Deontony stops using the uh, techno self setup. And I, I got into a, a stern talking to with a fella <laughs> about. Uh, how um, I I beforehand thought that this entire album was all him doing the techno self setup, but I can clearly hear uh, definitely in Logged Into Bliss after like the initial intro, he's definitely using that setup because he's only yeah, yeah, like messing with some the snare stuff. 
Yeah, and then, but you can, like, hear him hitting the hi-hat and snare at the same time, so I'm like, ah, shit, that was an asshole. How is he doing that? Dude, you have two <laughs> ends me. of a stick, man. There's two ends. You never tried that? <laughs> yeah, okay, well, I mean, I bet he can make it sound that good, so, you know, maybe. That's a possibility, but I think, uh, I think on Fortuna, maybe, um... I don't know, because honestly, the uh, latter half of this uh, album, uh, not as strong as the first half for me. I don't know, that Closer Twice a Plague... Um, it's yeah, that got, one is insane. It's got such a nice, grimy, like, dystopian future feel. Like, you could play that You could play that song at the end of, like, uh, a Terminator film, and I'd be like, that's... that's <laughs> It's a good fit because it just doesn't. Yeah. It doesn't. The album does not make you feel good. And well, that thing that's a general theme with this entire album is like it's it's a fun listen, but you do not feel good at the end of it. You're like, oh god, I feel so gross and dirty. I don't know, man. When this album ends, and uh, like I just, it's pretty short. Like these it's are all short. Like, twenty-five minutes long or something like that. And uh, yeah, I just really want more. And so it's cool that there's two albums already. I listen to them like back to back, no problem. Oh yeah. So, would you guys uh, recommend Sworn Virgins? Not just for the Omar and Mars Volta fans, but like if you're gonna talk, if you're talking to someone, they're going, "Hey, what's a good album for 2016?" Are you gonna tell them Sworn Virgins? Well, it's very new. Uh, yeah, I'd say if you want some like hard rock, if you like the experimental hard rock, you know, if you're like into weird shit, yeah. then yes. <laughs> I mean, it, it depends on who I'm talking to because I, I don't really get to go in depth with music with people much so haven't really uh, had the chance to go hey check out Francis the Mute or anything and people really dig it um but my friends called the Mars Volta the uh, underpants gnomes just for reference <laughs> the underpants gnomes yeah you know how they sing they have this song and it's like you know the day of the baphomets um <laughs> <laughs> uh, We've all been there, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, <laughs> no, I, I I can't relate, unfortunately. But um, well, like friends, uh, it's hard to show them the stuff that you can really appreciate. Right. It's like, you know. Yeah, yeah. And, and this, uh, yeah, but I mean, it, it's definitely very, very great album. Great, you know. Started to get on with the series with, uh, you know, To Kill Chi Chi. You know, great single, great music video too. Oh, that's. that's he finally has mm-hmm. competent music videos. I gotta say, hands fucking, like, wow. Whatever it is you do, clap? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that thing. Yeah, those yeah. videos are great. I love it. Mm-hmm. Have you seen the parody? Mm-hmm. Have you guys seen the parody? Someone took that video and put it over some, like, uh, lounge song from, like, the 70s. That's the only uh, version. Uh, that's the only version oh, I've heard. Uh, I haven't actually Kenny G or something? Wa- yeah, I haven't actually watched the real version. I've only watched the parody uh, one. <laughs> oh, God, that's hilarious. Yeah, it, this is... Uh, you know, I'm torn on this. I for as Because a, it's almost satirical in the first place, though. Yeah. Sorry to cut you off. That no. music video is already, like, this weird parody. Like, what's a, what's a Chi-Chi? Like, this whole thing is, like, are they talking about, like... All right, I just... Is it, like, a little pet? Or is it a Pikachu? Like... Is it a cloud? What's a chichi? Like, so it's so weird. It's this dark music video, and he's being so like sappy with the glasses and everything. Like, I know, yeah. That, cheap, but and yeah. he's just like kind of like slowly like moving his body, grooving along to it while he mouths <laughs> the words. Somebody, Great direction. Somebody yeah. mentioned that chichi can be. I forget. I was reading somewhere can be sort of a uh, sort of a slang, some related to like Latino culture or something like that. That that could be a chichi, something like that. Like a Chicano, yeah, it's like uh, like some oh. sort of demeaning like term for women, I believe. 
something along those lines. I, I mean, that's that's as much as I know. Yeah, I mean, that, it's like a Volta yeah. track is like Cavaletas, right? That's what it means. It means like some cheating woman or something like that. I mean, I, I also know Chi Chi was hmm. that was a character from Dragon Ball. That's that's. <laughs> That's true. That's the first thing that comes up on Google, so I guess that's what it is. <laughs> he, he just really was uh, pissed off the Dragon Ball, the new Dragon Ball. That's that's all I got. <laughs> this is this is how culturally aware I am, folks. It could be be metaphorical, you know, anything that's just like whatever Chi Chi sounds like to you to kill a blank, right? And so what's blank? I don't know. Fucking lemon sun dry. It's Chi Chi. It's just Chi Chi. You know how he does that with some song titles? He's like, yeah, call it whatever you want. Right. Lemon, sun, grass, pineapple, mm-hmm. surprise. Like, Abortion like the other way, meat. Yeah. Like, I love his song titles. Some of them are amazing. Some of these on Sword and Versions we didn't mention. Trick, Harpoon, Stare of Baby. Oh, <laughs> when I first saw that, yeah. I was kind of just perplexed, I guess, <laughs> and I still am. <laughs> it's, uh... Oh, and then oh, but the uh, that's a great track. But the track after that, high water hell. Oh, that's mm. a, we didn't that's mention that. Yeah. yeah, for all the junkies in Spain, gotta give it up. That's right. <laughs> there and there it is with the choruses again, like that one. Yeah, Chi Chi. Ooh, memorable it's stuff. Super catchy. Here. Very yeah. very much. The thing about this album is like pineapple face, and the the first whole track is like he's very aggressive with the vocals, but then right after that, to kill a Chi Chi, he goes straight into this like. It's practically breathy whispers, like yes. total polar opposite. And the rest of the album is somewhere in the middle. Yeah. There. It's very enjoyable. There's not as much screaming as that first track at all. And so if you listen to it and you're like, oh, this is abrasive and aggressive, just go to start on three. Just, you know. And that's, it's interesting how his vocal, uh, I guess just the way he utilizes his vocals has really changed with the Electronic Air albums. He went from, you know, if you listen to Xenophanes, uh uh, on a Scorpion Perfumado, you know, that one, they're all very powerful and very chesty, but then, like, these new ones, he, he just comes in with the, ah, breathy yeah. stuff. Especially, so, like, interesting. he started off there, like, with Un Corazón de Nadie, and then Saber, Cuero, Osar y Calar, and I'm probably butchering all oh this, but... Um, <laughs> Alex Gummery and Nathan Clark in the house. Just fucking massacring. <laughs> just killing the Spanish hey. language. But, like, yeah, he just sort of, like, whisper, and I think that was a big turnoff for a lot of people, too, was just this very distorted whisper mumble singing, mm-hmm. and that's what, mm-hmm. while this one's still pretty plenty distorted, yeah, he's got some power, there's some variety, it, again, it's it's a device a divisive album. It's still a very challenging album to listen to. I'm not gonna like, you know, if you're like, oh man, I really like that Train album. I'm not gonna be like, you gotta check out Sworn Virgins. That's gonna be the next album to listen to. <laughs> but it did, yeah. however, if you are an Omar fan or ever have been of any of his projects, it did have a really good reception on yes. the coma, and not just I think because it's his first return. Like you know, he's had albums that we've been waiting for and there's been lots of disappointment that's sort of what we're known for okay <laughs> but yeah he's being but, disappointed you know, like, yeah we love architecture and we love sworn versions so take that for what you know. <laughs> i would i don't know if i'd recommend purchasing this for someone who's just not familiar with him if you're familiar with him buy and you know what you're getting yourself into i'd say buy it definitely worth it uh, otherwise, I'd say it's a download as a casual listener, just because it's it's a challenge. It's a challenging album. It's, it's cool to check out. It's cool to check out. And it, yeah, but um, so the last before we move on to the second album, I'm just curious. You know, if we think about, and maybe we can wait till the end. But when we think about the large, humongous discography this guy's got, again, let's just say solo discography. Where do we? Is this one gonna like 
stand the test of time? Is it going to sort of fade into the background like some of the other more cha- like some of the albums? Do, where do, do we think this is going to be a rememberable solo release? Are we going to be like ten years from now, like talking to our kids as our hair is thinning and we're like, <laughs> "You seen Sword Virgins, boy? It's going to change your fucking life." I think on a scale of Lydia Lunch to uh, <laughs> the uh, El Grupo Nuevo, Cryptomnesia, I'd probably put it at a Solar Gambling. <laughs> well, that's, that's a good description. That's, that's yeah. pretty high up there, then, I assume. Solar Gambling tends to be quite a popular release of his. I don't right, think so... I have it in high as high regards as <laughs> most people do, but I, yeah, it's a fucking great album. It's really good. And so think, anyways. And I think for the context, like as the first one out the gate, it was a welcome released mm-hmm. but then mm-hmm. we take this very weird almost 180 to Corazones which while Sworn Virgins was sort of this challenging abrasive but very technically impressive uh, sort of experimental rock album then we get something that's like Omar listened to a bunch of early 2000s indie pop and went fucker I can do this <laughs> and, basically and, and yeah. as far as my understanding this was a soundtrack and that's how Tool was born yes <laughs> This was a sound, this was a soundtrack to a movie, at some to some cal- extent, and then was was it used? If I'm remembering this, they just kind of went, eh, "It's not the right fit." Was it's, the movie made without it? I I don't Did even know. If, I don't even know if they mentioned what the movie was. Yeah, if it was, was a, yeah like if yeah, this yeah, was yeah, his films or if this was just. And is there anything about the producer who this film producer? Because somebody obviously was in the studio with him. I mean, right? I mean, there has to be, right? Right. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, I genuinely don't know, and it's a good question. And my biggest thought on this, uh, before we get into first impressions, is also just like the lyrical content. Is um, is this lyrical content about the movie or about other stuff? Because I think yeah. that opens the gate for like what the, the topics are about. But before we get there, again, uh, well, let's start with Nathan this time. Nathan, first impressions, overall impressions, Corazon. Fucking beautiful. <laughs> I mean, like immediately. Yeah. Well, whenever I, you know, yeah. I mean, the first track we got was uh, "Running Away" and a great music video as well. Everyone punching Omar in the face. <laughs> you know, was, King Buzzo from the Melvins punching him in the face. Big hit on Pitchfork. <laughs> yeah, and like, and I, I think it's really, uh, it, it's really, it seems really personal. As silly of a music video as it is, you know, Terry hiking her leg all the way up to his face. Um, did it, like, did it throw you off that... A lot of personal connections there. No, that's a good point. Did, did it throw any yeah. of you off that, like, er, Terry just had to be wearing her goofy red Labuterette? A little out? bit. I was <laughs> like, she only has one, one dress that's like that, and she wears it every day. I kind of think she does. And I think <laughs> it's a good thing. Again, I think this is a good thing. <laughs> no, oh yeah, oh yeah. But, uh, yeah, and then five different pieces uh somebody got that from some sort of mexicano radio station yeah and uh i listened to that once and so the first track on here whenever um i finally you know after waiting so so long two weeks after waiting all that time (laughs) it was rough um yeah it really was actually like three it's almost worse than three years (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah i had this moment Um, real quick that like I was driving. Yeah, yeah. I was driving home from the airport today. Dropped a friend off, and I'm like, "Fuck! When does the next one come out? It's been forever." And I'm like, "Oh shit! No, it's probably like <laughs> six more days." And it's, <laughs> oh yeah, that's how I'm feeling about uh, Blind Worms right now. Yeah, it's like Eight. I was just thinking today, like, comes oh, on the twelfth. Is that coming out? Yeah, two weeks. <laughs> the... Two weeks is the perfect amount of time to fuck with your head because every Saturday you're like, "Wait, is it? No, it's not. Oh wait, is it? Oh wait, it is. It's the off <laughs> week. It's the fucking yeah. off oh, week." Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, and like I thought it would be because whenever this whole announcement came out, I was pretty intimidated by twelve albums in six months. Like mm-hmm. I was thinking, like, oh, this is going to be a lot to digest. And like, if it's I gotta say though, it is. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. like so easy to just dig into Omar's work and just appreciate it. And like, I can listen to this every day. And like, you know, I don't even listen to the Radiohead's new album anymore. <laughs> And this album, too, is, like, it's yeah. such an easy album to listen to. Like, some Omar albums, you have to kind of do some prep work. You're like, all right, let me get my stretches in. I'm going to listen to <laughs> I'm gonna listen to Mega Ritual today, folks. Right, I need 90 minutes for this. Right. Where Coruscant's <laughs> like, I could put this on. I would put this on in front of anybody. It is such uh, It is his, I think, easily his most, his friendliest release. Oh, yeah, by far. It's finally uh, the album you can show your parents. <laughs> I was actually about to say some testimonials from my dad. Uh, oh, that's pretty. Uh, my girlfriend, she said, wow, this one isn't as shit as the others. I'm pretty sure it's a direct quote from that buffoon. So, um, but, yeah, super easy to get into. And, uh, I mean, God, Oh, so many like just good songs on here. Like I think all of these are genuinely all just. Let's give know, a good there's, description there's, overall because like yeah yeah yeah. You know, just never start with the first before. track. It's sort oh, of a like, good oh just overall yeah yeah yeah. Um, it's like Omar doing a fistful of dollars for eleven tracks, and you know he has to have variety. So there's some really weird shit going well, on well, in it's, there. It's like that yeah, Ennio Mor. Is that Ennio? Oh my god, I don't know how to say his last name. Morricone, Morricone. Um, it's that sort of uh, him doing a fistful of dollars, but like if it ran head on into Tegan and Sarah, uh, yeah. they, they had a car or crash. Gate fire. Yeah, or that banjo band. <laughs> the banjo band. <laughs> Like so, it's it is very poppy. All the songs are pretty much like verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus. Um, yeah. Each song, despite that, has a very clear like desert southwestern feel. Like oh yeah, I think a really yeah. good example is C is the this version of C is rising. This is the third version, effectively, we've heard of C is rising. Um, and it's just got this sort of sort of pots and pans style percussion, the harmony organ stabs, the maraca, mm-hmm. the maraca you'd going. Some, yeah, you'd expect like fucking whips and revolvers to be going off in the background. Yeah, you know, exactly. The time. Exactly. But then he blends in like this funk, like the part where he says, "Or maybe you've gone solo." I think he says "solo," right? Is that it's solo? I have no I idea. Did, I've always thought it was like so. <laughs> you get it? Like you know, solo. Like, but you know, so, to have gone solo yeah. is a phrase, so it's like a pun. Guys, it's a song about Han Solo's death in Force Awakens. Yes. Spoiler alert: you've yes. you've you've gone solo. You've gone. <laughs> you've gone, comma gone. solo. <laughs> Thank you. I'll let the mysteries explain. I bet there's so many references in there that none of us have picked up on yet. Yeah, seriously, <laughs> five different there's probably pieces. like <laughs> hidden, like just fucking Wookie in the background. <laughs> these songs, but the funk, the upbeat, and the like, the yeah. The upbeat melody, too, like the positivity that he put into the song, where the vocal melody is the same thing. Like, I mean, random example, there's this MGMT song that does this, where it's uh, like, someone's missing, and it's like the same melody over a really sad thing, and then all of a sudden it's all upbeat and happy, and it's like, yeah, someone's missing! <laughs> it's similar with this, like, this version of Sea is Rising that we're familiar with. Also, you yeah. have to put into context with the whole Mars Volta breakup thing, and like, you know, shortly after he puts out this album, Unicorn Skeleton Mask, with like his face on the album, and it's all dark and brown, and everything's washed with reverb, and it's like, you know, that was one of the first, one of the first sort of fu albums, if you will. And it was super then, lo-fi yeah. too. So like that version. Yeah. Well, you need to even take a step back. We're like 2011 or 2000, 2010. We first heard it like a live version of it. He 
tours with this his this the final ver- no not the final but this version of the, the solo of the solo uh, his solo lineup uh, solo group and they play Sea is Rising and it's this funky synth heavy it's got this great mm-hmm. synth pattern Arp, it's uh, arpeggiator going off on that that yes. was an era of a so lot good. of like Arp songs that were really popular that was like I think the a very popular era when he was touring with. Simena and some of the tracks that we were thinking would be the future of Volta because it was like electronica mixed with rock and odd time signatures mm-hmm. but poppy and accessible and it was like really cool. Mm-hmm. Right. And then the disco was... ball, the disco ball era. Right. And then so then <laughs> we finally find Unicorn Skeleton Mask came out and it's this super lo fi version, like where the drums are basically completely indiscernible and then he's just like slow down. It's like Bane is singing <laughs> over it. And you're like, oh fuck. Was... And then this version comes no, out uh, yeah. and it's like a campfire song. And it's like it's totally different. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, but huge shout out to Unicorn Skeleton Mask. That is, oh, that is such a great album. It is and a great the, album. It so is. so much it's so like, like it's yeah. there's so many layers to it. So many instruments just going yeah, on, and so strange. many noises and bleep bloops. It, it completely <laughs> takes away from the lo-fi mixing for me because I think it just it does it well at that point. It's some of his best, like some of his best written songs. But the mm-hmm. mix just like throws it off for me. Like I can't put that one in the car and appreciate it. Like Corazon's Tennessee yeah. is amazing. The track Tennessee is just like this weird thing. It's sort of ambient, ambient, and then every yeah. now and then, <laughs> yeah, and like the compression, just like ooh, it's so. Oh, whenever I first heard that, like it's I like, cringed my face, and I was like, ooh, even on a laptop, scary. it sounds cool. <laughs> 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 oh no, we we could talk forever. Like na- on that album, Storm Shadow Names is hey, but, great. Yeah, we, we reviewed oh, yeah. it like I think the third episode of this podcast. We reviewed it, and Ryan hated it so much. <laughs> <laughs> but then look oh. at what he's done with it. Corazones, 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 mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Corazones. It's. I mean, we're you know we're not really giving this album the respect that it deserves. I think because it's so. I mean, conventional is the wrong word, because a lot of people will look at this and listen to the first ten seconds of We Feel the Silence and be like, okay, it's a pop album. When really, I mean, all right, look at Lola, for example. That's one of the most, like, indie-ish tracks. But then yeah. the chorus is, like, it's still the same time signature, the same tempo, yeah. but he takes up a left turn with it. It's so original. I really like that kind of stuff. It's so Omar. Uh, but, yeah. but there's yeah. these moments in these songs that, um, yeah, it's that pop, structure but then there's there's still signature omar guitar wankiness or reverb effects like, i forget there's a couple and songs like i think like it it was her ends in all like the end yeah. also it's got this like at the end i'm like oh yeah oh, like this, this, this is it's, it's, its own track actually yeah, like, like, yeah that's exactly what i was about to bring up is like uh that you know some people will, will be turned off like oh this is this is just a new octahedron and and you know they flip out over <laughs> but then it's but then it's like this stuff is layered with all of his like classic tones and it was her like during those verses you hear his like uh, you know pick sliding you know throughout the guitar with the heavy delay reverb just classic stuff that you would hear on any other album that he does yeah. but it's just in a it's almost much, like his tone from his really really high pitched trebly tone with the like, distortion all the way up and his jerky like mm-hmm. you know all the wrong notes at the wrong time in the right way mm-hmm. kind of style and it just he pulls oh, it yeah. off so effortlessly on a couple tracks here and it's so obnoxious but and almost and not I don't mean an obnoxious way because it's mixed to a degree where it's like it sounds pleasing like I would put this way above like his tone on some of his earlier solo projects just because it's the same idea yeah. 
but like it's so much more pleasing to listen he to. He also has a much better he has better people helping him mix albums or like you listen to yeah. some of his early Chris albums. Chris Common is doing a great job. Chris Common's doing a fantastic both these albums mixed by Chris Common and he's doing a fantastic job where like you listen to early Omar solo and there is like no bass. There's zero bass, zero low end. We're finally like the bass is finally yeah. getting some justice. There's finally some low end that's giving justice to these songs. So like yeah. You know, you, you mentioned this sort of thing, like you could listen to the beginning of We Feel the Silence and like, yeah, it's a poppy song, but it's got so much presence, it's got so much yeah. attention. You could totally so tell like credits. it's like the opening credits of some dirty western film. You can imagine like someone's should be cracking the whip and going, ha and the horses are running. <laughs> like, well that's the thing, you like you could be cheesy with it or not. And the first ten seconds are beautiful, and then it goes to like conventional verse, and you might be like, Oh, it's cheesy, but like, you know, the bridge is amazing and it's what it's three forty nine that track in particular. Yeah. You know, like yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. The, album, the, album. And, uh, the, the album, oh. I think, cements that regardless of what you feel of his style, like he's a ex- and I've, I mentioned I've written this before elsewhere, but like he's an exceptional songwriter. Is that stylistically you may not yes. enjoy these songs, fine, but you can't deny that like these are all well crafted songs. Like the whole, exactly. My yeah, only, I think, my only uh, one I'm not a big, the biggest fan of is Lola. It's a little too cutesy, and the guitar solos. The, gu- so cool. the guitar solo sounds like so much, yeah. a, like a like a six year old did the guitar solo. Just yes. But it's got like the I little tink- the little tinker toy like bling 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 for the for the for the percussion part. I'm like I'm just eh, yeah. I'm not feeling it's it. It's very it's, um, it's a gimmicky song, but I is, like that. It is. No, I, I mean it's, just, it's definitely cute. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> if I may, just let you go ahead. <laughs> Why, thank you, sir. You may. Um, uh, so, yeah, 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 Alex, what you were saying definitely showcases uh, that he knows how to make a song. He knows the formula. He knows, you know, all the little tricks, the buildups, uh, you know, adding in during chorus and then dropping something out in the verse and all that jazz. You know, he's. This is definitely something uh, very professional. That uh, you know, I could see this anywhere. I could see this playing anywhere, especially in some sort of indie hipster bullshit cafe. Uh, no offense to I any of that. You could totally hear and, it at Starbucks. You totally could. Oh yeah, yeah it'd be funny because people and, like some sixty-year-old man's like, "Oh, this is a great album." Omar Rodriguez Lopez. Huh? He has this other album called Despair. <laughs> the fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, Pitch, Pitchfork loves this album, so that's all the proof you need. Like, uh, yeah, obviously. They also and, have um, a boner for him for after like de- over a decade of just shitting on him with uh, every opportunity. He's like the pun of like all the worst jokes. The, the Ooh, can, yeah. he plays more than two chords. This song is pretentious. <laughs> 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 all right, wait, wait. So it was her. Has this the chords that the sort the song starts with are like. You know, it's like that thirteenth note stuff. The really dissonant, the, the yeah. interval. What's that called? The the oh, interval that's uh, like the Catholic Church band. Oh, <laughs> diatonic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever it is, Di- it's really nasty. It's really nasty <laughs> dissonant stuff. And it, you know, for the intro, right? And then he's still playing it, but it's got like piano piano behind it. Mm-hmm. It's got like really nice vocals, and all of a sudden, it's like this really pretty song. But if you listen, it's still based on that. You know, Omari dissonance stuff. So yeah, I like oh, to say yeah. that this album yeah, it's, is it's, sort it's of, kind of yeah, it's Omar it, it, in a different style, but it's quintessentially Omar, like being very Omari with that style. Oh, yeah, like like with that whole half step down from the uh, original minor. That's, yeah, that's a lot like uh, 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 uh fucking ah, uh, I got it. Hold on, fellas, hold on. You got it. 
with Twilight as my guide, the verses to that. Oh. It's a lot like that. And um, um, for oh, it was her. Man, the lyrics too. Uh, what do you want me to do to make you love me like I did before? Right. Ooh. And, and oh, that song, I, yeah, the lyrics are beautiful. And yeah. that's why I genuinely was wondering. I did nothing if, to hurt you. I did nothing right. to wrong you. Right. Oh. And, and that's why I was wondering, you know, is this stuff from the film? Or is this like self-reflection? Because there's a song, I think, yeah. Certainty, where he's talking about his uh, someone's mom dying, and I'm like, his mom did die recently. Uh, oh. This also has a lot of house fire and breakup stuff too, and that's why yeah, I think yeah, yeah. So, like, it you might relate to. You mentioned like you know. it was her, and I almost think of like, is this like the song of him being dumped by Hamina? I mean, again, I'm we're inserting Dude, interpretations here. If I may, here. like as as like an artist, you know, I'm gonna put my pretentious bow tie on here, and I'm just gonna say <laughs> that you know you yeah. have to draw from personal experience, but that doesn't mean you're tied to it. And like you know, it's very easy to to ride that line where it's like, yeah, this is sort of based on something, but it's not at all. Like none of this context. That's just a word they said one time, and you know, it's. It's yeah. you're inspired. You have to be inspired by something, and so you get an idea, and then you can put that idea. You can stick any male or female protagonist or antagonist in there, and oh, yeah. like you know, you can gender swap your characters whatever you want, and it'll probably still work. Like that's the point I think of this album is maybe he's writing for a film, and he's like, oh wow, this is a film about loss and stuff, and I'm right. going through a lot of loss. loss and he could, yeah, so, and I mean the fact that it straight up has his mom on the cover. Feel comfortable about, you know, yeah. for he might have been uncomfortable about releasing it for a while because it was somewhat personal who knows There's, yeah his mom is on the album exactly also didn't yeah. one of one of his last albums that he put out right after she died was called like no corazonis or something like that right blank heart or something uh, oh, the heart of nobody's heart a heart of nobody, nobody. Yeah. Un corazon corazon de naughty. De naughty, yeah yep. and then the company that he wanted to start is also called something naughty isn't it uh yeah naughty new- sound that thing that just yeah. didn't happen is it just naughty <laughs> Like yeah, his, his demo. It, it actually doesn't exist. <laughs> his his second record label that literally nothing happened with. That's beautiful. Oh. I think, oh man, the irony, the poetic irony of calling your company nothing and then not exist. Well, that's <laughs> never put it off, so maybe he thought, you know. Oh, what a time. Someone's going to play Macbeth. Someone's going to pull it off. I mean, my hun- my hunch with that just is a... Is a uh, side adventure whatever is that like he was gonna that was gonna be his vehicle for releasing everything and then that's when mike Patton approached him with ipecac records like hey we'll actually like do this properly and you won't it won't like and uh less ipecac by the way dude they are fucking awesome and say a lot of great things about ipecac well Mm -hmm. i think i think the great thing about ipecac is like it's finally holding him somewhat accountable they're like no we're we're gonna declare this is what's gonna happen and it's going to happen there's no oh i'm gonna release this album six years later oh Mm -hmm. yeah i guess i got around like it's (laughs) no there are 12 albums with names and release dates all the you could you could look the last album 12 16 16 that you know it's going to come out. Yeah, when did that start? Stuff. That's something that I want to discuss. Was that like, didn't that start with Kathy? Like whenever he was still with Sergeant House? Yeah, that was originally that Kathy made a comment that Omar said 12 albums were going to come out. Not, the, But there's no indication yeah. that it was going to be And we did get the Tomato album and a couple others that were predicted because of <laughs> Telesterion. Tomato album. Well, Hopefully. when gives birth to Tomato. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> a, oh, God. There's 27 albums, album man. It's hard to keep track. Well, if you ever no, want to know about all of them, I ranked them all last two years ago. Uh, they're good. I love listening to. Uh, and if anyone doesn't know about, um, you know, the Leaky Faucet, <laughs> you <laughs> might want to mention that. <laughs> uh, oh, it, yeah. Because, like, you know, he, he, there's no official way to listen to his music before this. And people might be like, what is everyone talking about? 
right? Oh, yeah. Like, it's kind of weird that someone that's that prolific, there's no, like, you know, you have to find his It was finals? just completely eradicated. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it, it, and it's a bummer, because, uh, like, you know, I'd love to support the guy, but, like, that's the only thing you have to resort to is the Leaky Faucet at leakyfaucet.us. Which is great that he's signed up with Epicac and releasing stuff he can buy. You know, like, uh, they did say something about that there will be something physical available at shows. And they didn't say who, what band. They didn't say if it would be Omar shows. They didn't say if it would be at the drive-in shows. They didn't say if it would be, you know, records or CDs or whatever. But you can buy stuff from him. Eventually, there will be some physical releases, yeah. I think someone clarified. Like, I think someone got in touch with an Ipecac representative and clarified that it would be just like every single show that he does, I believe. So whatever he's at. But then they clarified that, like, they don't know what's going to come out when uh, his physical releases, if everything's going to come out. Like, I was was all set to go, all right, I'm setting aside my 300 bucks for the 12 record box set. I'm all all on board with that. But now they're like, well, I don't know if that's how it's going to happen. I'm like, fuck. You have no idea how much... I have all the vinyl, all the Omar vinyl. You have no idea how much of my record shelf it takes <laughs> up. It's so stupid. Uh, would oh. you buy like, like legit, like everything, like every single release? I how own. Much, many, I own Despair. I own Omar's. Most. Like Omar's fan base are collectors. Like yes. Oh yeah. I'm oh, no. I'm bad. Like right before <laughs> I move, right, and now my records are in storage for the year because I'm only at this new location for a year. Like I started buying the Mars Volta picture singles because I'm like, well, I don't own these, and I gotta own everything. <laughs> Eventually, it's going to get yeah. to like, oh, I have to buy the Goliath final <laughs> single, which is two hundred bucks, and that's going to eventually be like my oh. my white whale. But until Disposable then, income. Yeah, I'm working Living the dream. Living the dream. Uh, um, so any final? If I told you the truth, that would be made of lies. That great, great no. ending song. It's got that just sort of. I, I don't know how what you describe it, like where. Every every uh, syllable he says he plays a new note to go along with yeah. it. Uh, yeah. It's like da 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 da, and it's it, just yeah. it reminds me of uh, the end of Take the Veil. It's this super punchy, like in your face pow. But way more stripped and, down. Way more stripped down. Take way more the stripped down. But yeah, the effectiveness of it being like uh, everybody's playing together all at once. Big punch. Yes. The percussion on here. A lot of neat percussion. Yes. Uh, Lola, those little stacked cymbals, you know, those are all great. Uh, there's a lot of shaker. There's just a, there's a lot of stacked yeah. percussion. It's very orchestral and studio, like. That's you know, something. It's like very cinematic, I think. Yeah. It's still very cinematic while being a great just album to be able to listen to. And, uh, you know, whoever the other producer was, I think you can definitely tell there was somebody else working with Omar with this one. Um, and, like, uh, 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 was it, is it certainty? That's the one. Uh, it's it's, Terry pre- it's pretty. Uh, oh, that's right. I forgot Terry sings on that. And also, yeah. uh, very hard to notice. Actually, uh, no, no, uh, some sort of justice. I know she definitely sings on that. But does that she sing on certainty? Sorry, maybe not. I'm the, thinking of some sort of justice. Then okay, yeah. Uh, so certainty, that one, it's pretty it's slower, slow. but like that one definitely gives off a cinematic feel because uh, I think whenever the chorus kicks in there are these like big booming bass drums with uh, right, right. these chains that are slunk it sounds like mm-hmm. chains being slung down to the ground with a microphone recording it and I can just definitely picture that as a very cinematic you know scene some person dragging chains along with them while that song plays and so there's something really neat that I uh, 
you know, it just really gave off a lot of power yeah. on that. Um, it's a good point about the instrumentation of the album in general. Is like, yeah, it's all yeah. there's a guitar on every track, but it's almost like he's not even. You can't really hear him playing it while singing. Mm-hmm. At the same time, it's more like his voice is another instrument amongst a sea of instruments, mm-hmm. and you know, the, the guitar is central to it most of the time. But unlike, there's like some clarinet and stuff. You know, there's some really cool <laughs> yeah. traditional yeah. sounds. I mean, d- unlike yeah. Omar of old, the guitar is no longer the sole focal point of everything. And or like, yeah. or in, I mean, even to the point where sometimes to his detriment, like I think of like the, the the old jazz jazz jam albums Omar had, where like someone else would be solo, and he used to be like, "No, fuck you." The guitar is the focal point. <laughs> like every yeah. every time, poor Adrian had a, had a, like a horn solo, Omar would just start soloing on top of it too. Like, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm important. Where now he's finally uh, learning, like, oh, I don't always funny. have to be center stage. Well, I remember one of his um, yeah. early comments saying that he never considered himself a guitar player. It was just sort of thrust on him as the thing to express yourself on. Yes. And so he yeah. was forced to learn how to do it there. But this album really demonstrates his ability to just think as a songwriter yes. and as a yeah. musician in it's very general. Balanced. Very balanced. Yeah. But, uh, but it's, I mean, still, though, whenever the, his guitar stuff does come in, I think it's actually pretty high in the mix, like on Lola. What you were saying, Armando, that cutesy little six-year-old guitar solo, or well, Alex, you described <laughs> yeah, it as yeah. a six-year-old. But and, I dig uh, it. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's quintessential Omar. Like people who are a fan of his, early, like his first solo album, who like that weird, you know, interjecting. And it's very um, what's that dude from the White Stripes? What's that guy's name? Jack no, White. Jack, Jack White. White. Yeah. <laughs> which which white R- guy R- is R- it? Like you know that style, where it's this really loud like. um octave guitar very distorted and cutting in and out with like a noise gate on it almost it's very yeah. abrasive and yeah very omery yeah yeah good stuff good stuff um trying to think of anything else um great album i think uh, oh god terry's harmonies on some sort of justice though wait, wait i just oh. don't get the fuss like i love terry man like she's one of my favorite parts of the whole like omar thing but i just i don't you know she's just kind of singing there she's not it. as versatile well again you're, 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 you're in the you're if you're if there's a difference between if you're just discussing terry with people and you're discussing terry in the knitting circle that is omar fandom where then mm-hmm. you have to where then naturally she gets compared to hamina and my personal opinion is that I, I don't mind Terry as a singer. I think she's a decent singer. I don't think she's a great singer, but competent. But obviously, I've always found Hamina a significantly more talented singer. And so, right. she unfortunately Terry, because we're on the we we're in an internet age and everyone has to have a comment about something, um, she's forever doomed to be compared. <laughs> It, you know, yeah, you're right. It, it, it's, so, it's better than Yoko, though, right? Oh my God, everything's better than. It just, <laughs> well, I mean, fuck, people thought she was Yoko, with even, the Mars Volts breakup, right? Yeah, that's exactly. T- people compared her to her, right? But and, I mean, I think yeah. uh, it re- uh, some sort of justice really showcases uh, more of a range for what she can do with the, her voice because. I yeah. haven't really heard many harmonies from her, especially harmonies as beautiful as that. And Usually it's just like double tracking of her doing the same, you know, vocal line. Yes. And so, I mean, some sort of just, just beautiful song. That's probably my favorite one on the album, even compared to If I Told You the Truth. Yeah, it's really beautiful. I mean, it, it's right up there with Twilight as my guide as far as like a nice slow arpeggio guitar yeah. track, the harmonies. Yeah. And I think, you know, what a lot of people are pointing out about her voice on that is they're saying like, oh, she is a talented, capable singer as good as Jimena and can yeah. hit high-pitched notes and doesn't just always have to sound like Susie and the Banshees. But, you know, like, that's what she <laughs> likes to do. I mean, she's also quite young. She's, I think, 26, 27. She's, uh, like, right around my age. 
And so she still has plenty of time to also like discover the the full extent of her singing capabilities, the, the how like what her range is going to be. She has plenty of time to continue to evolve as singer because she was a punk singer for the longest time. She just like her early yeah. her early work was mostly just sort of shouting. So this is actually yeah. like like Bosnian Rainbows, love or hate it. Like that was the first album where she's like really just trying to sing, sing. And so Isn't I she think she a family of musicians or something. Is her father? I thought her father was like a lawyer or a teacher or something. Yeah. Really? No, I I don't. I vaguely <laughs> recall. I think he drove a school bus in Santa Monica. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. That's. I know. Like they were originally. I think they lived in Colorado for a while. Then I think they went to Mexico. Then uh-huh. her dad drove a school bus, and then you know, like her mom. Her her mom like sold beads on the internet or something. You know how this shit goes. <laughs> and she's married and single at the same time. And yes. apparently, Omar is her father, brother, and son. <laughs> it, it adds up it's to a, me. It's a whole That's, web of just pish posh. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Not seeing the issue. So, uh, well, to Oops, wrap up though, uh, would you guys recommend Corazones? Definitely. The answer is yes. Oh yeah, definitely. Everybody should listen to this. This is finally the album that people who hate Omar need to listen to to be like, oh fuck, they're right. I just don't have the same taste. Right. <laughs> yeah. But I'm. But he's and then ch- they'll probably end up only liking this one. Yeah, but at least they can say like, okay, yeah, I like that one album. You know, it's, yeah. it's like sort of. It's like a give. Oh yeah. I we did it. I I we we finally <laughs> made. <laughs> <laughs> People finally <laughs> like his music. He's <laughs> been trying ever since Octahedron. <laughs> I, I made a pop finally, album, everybody. He, na- he like nailed the pop. Long <laughs> I finally did it. No, I want to hear the classical album that was mentioned in one... The first time it was mentioned in an interview that he's been secretly making albums and throwing them in his closet disregardly. Yes. With disregard. Yeah. Like, it was mentioned that he had made a classical album already, and I'm sure he's made more than one then by now, and I would love to hear some of that shit. I remember that being mentioned, and that's one I've very often, too, been like, oh, I would love to hear that. I mean, this was back in, I think, like, 2006 or 2007. This was back when oh, he's yeah. like, oh, yeah, yeah, there's another de facto album coming, and Scab Dates yeah. too, and like, <laughs> shit that's just, that's like so fucking, that's like so fucking shoved in the closet somewhere that like Chris oh, Cummings yeah. is still digging out hard drives and he has not got gotten there yet. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, you already He's yeah, gonna be like Delouse the Cormatorium alternate ending Serpent Tax is alive in all of us. What the fuck is <laughs> <laughs> just oh, changes shit. one note and it changes the entire story. <laughs> <laughs> you just don't under, you don't appreciate it. <laughs> There's oh, a Delouse God. storybook where the plot makes sense. God damn it, Omar. <laughs> uh. We're well, supposed to agree. take the letters out of order. <laughs> I would agree, though. Uh, highly recommend it, not just as an Omar album, but as a straightforward album. I think this is a came out nearing the the second half. Well, in the second half of summer, I think it's a perfect summer album. Uh, I really mm-hmm. hope to see yeah. it maybe pop up on a couple top albums of the year releases because it's just a wonderful sort of indie pop record, but with quintessential Omar touches, with little bits of weirdness, little tinges of peculiarity and i think that's what makes it so good is it's not just like dive or some shit cookie cutter indie band that like oh pitchfork loved them for three weeks and now they're in a dumpster because they have like a thousand likes on facebook now instead of 900 and but (laughs) this is like it's got it's got character it's got personality 
mm-hmm. but it's also acceptable for everybody. And I think that can that's a, a sign of a really really great album is you when you can discern like the uh, the uniqueness of it, but also go like he wrote an album of well crafted songs that a lot of people can appreciate and enjoy. Oh yeah, yeah. Very, also, uh, very good. Something we didn't mention is the sort of genre skipping nature of it where yeah it does have that you know spanish film vibe but you know sometimes it's a little bit uh it's like a reggae upbeat sometimes a little bit as a funk groove you know there's a lot of genre swapping going on here and like blending of genres where you can't really say what genre this album is i can't really like cinematic like that's not an album genre that's <laughs> not, not a genre yeah <laughs> that's omar's like genre the- that's his thing cinematic <laughs> the instrumentation just really binds it together, though. Just all the acoustic guitars, because you can. It definitely feels like that he initially yeah, started all these recordings still. with just the. Oh yeah, yeah, it's cohesive. Yeah, right there. It, it sounds like the album cover looks. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I uh, I actually have two questions. Yes. Um. Um. One. Which one do you prefer out of these two? If you had to pick, mm. you know, gun gun to one of these albums, which one would you shoot? <laughs> Or Swear, not oh, shoot, shoot, I guess. <laughs> I yeah, would shoot the we... life-saving bullet. <laughs> no, I would pick uh, Sworn Virgins. Um, I do like it a little bit more. It's a little bit more my mm-hmm. style, and I think a lot of Omar fans would probably agree, but I'm more impressed by Corazonis, if that makes sense. I just think all Sworn Virgins is like, right up there with okay. you know all of the, you. the big classical albums. Yeah. I'm a huge fan, and this is for anyone that listens to the show, they know I'm a huge fan of nonsense noisy bullshit like i i own a th- <laughs> i own a throbbing gristle record i mean that's really i think what really that's all you need to know um but sworn virgins for me like i've listened to it about four or five times now every time i listen to it i feel exhausted at the end of it and like <laughs> Cor- which like corazones though like i've been just putting it on just at random times lately and i'm like oh it just it's just great whenever and may, maybe mm-hmm. at some point, like, the hype will wear off on it, for, like, my initial hype of it. And I'll be like, oh, it's nothing special. But for now, it just, like, it, it, it just, like, reminds me of some albums, like, where I can just, I'm going to put this on and I'm just going to love it. Like, uh, like an example is, like, Deja Vu by Crosby, Stills, Nash. I just put that album on whenever I'm like, I don't know what to listen to, but I put on Crosby, Stills, mm-hmm. Nash, and Young, and, <laughs> but, uh, Deja Vu. And I'm like, ah, oh, this, this album's just always fucking great. So I'm just hoping, like this <laughs> yeah. to me is like it, it's a it feels like a timeless album where Sworn Virgins is like I gotta prep myself I gotta be ready for the onslaught I'm gonna get punched mm. in the face um, <laughs> and that's just a lot to deal with <laughs> yeah yeah no I, I you, feel what that you, yeah what do you think oh I, uh, I think they're great for their respective moods you know uh, they both have certain times that would be great to listen to uh, but you know I do think Corazonis yeah like you said it, it's um, it's more fitting kind of whenever almost. And so, but I, I do have to go with that as much as I do love these both. I, I think I'm going to have to go with Corazones. <laughs> so, uh, and That's how second you say question. It. Oh, okay. I am a hundred percent white. So, uh, <laughs> you know, just take what, take whatever I say. Oh, no, this is a perfect salt. setup. Got you saying things with a Spanish accent and me saying things without, <laughs> with a jer- with a Jersey accent, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we should get Will Ferrell on the show next time. I'll I'll call him right <laughs> up. I I got his phone number. Him and I just chat periodically. Um, he loves Omar. He he does. 
He's a. So, big I heard they're gonna do a drum sir. solo competition or something. Yeah, yeah it's <laughs> gonna be. They're gonna have a really good time. Omar plays yeah. drums like a beast. Some, something like that. <laughs> if you, if you guys want to get to it now, unless you think we're gonna do more of this in the future, uh, but I mean, if you want to answer it for right now, uh, what albums are you guys looking forward to the most? I guess just by the title, because that's kind of bikini. all we have. Cell phone, so. motherfucking bikini. Is it, is it a cell phone that doubles as a bikini? Is it a bikini made of cell phones? I don't know, but I'm so hyped for that mystery to be unfolded. So, mm-hmm. 100% cell phone, motherfucking bikini. Cell phone, motherfucking bikini. Interesting. What about you, Armando? I think it, it definitely deserves a place on this show to mention the next one coming out that we already have a track for, right? Yes. This, uh, yeah. What's it called, the track? Uh, I mean, um, I love it, but I'm trying not to listen no. to it too much. From Blind Worms, Pious Swine. Yeah, or, Blind Worms, yeah. Pious Swan, Swine, but the track is called Vanishing something. Vanishing, Vanishing Tide. Tide. Right. Yeah. Sounds like Protobazian oh Rainbows. Yeah, it's like that that new wave sound, but with guitar and drums going mm-hmm. like, really, like it's like trip-hop. It's like Omar's trip-hop, and it sounds really good. The drums are so tight on that. Oh, like, my God. And they're both going so off the hook. You yeah. can't even, yeah. can't oh, even pick yeah. up on it. It's so subtle. It's sublime, man. It's really beautiful. It really is. Because it, it, he isn't like doing like a lot of crazy stuff, but it's just all the little subtle things that he does do. Yes. It's just, oh, he's so rhythmic. All the accents. Or no, all the mm-hmm. offbeats. I yeah. Guess, whatever you call those things. I'm a drummer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. All that. All right, plugs. Nathan, you're in a band called Allegheny Drive, right? Yes, yes, sir. And you have a debut album coming out soon, don't you? Uh, soon enough. Uh, I think we're going to try and shoot for probably late September, you know, at best. And uh, we recorded demos. Uh, I recorded the demos for us, you know, at my house. And we did that back in, uh, like, February through March. And we had the album ready. And so we've we've been kind of uh, uh, pretty anxious, and we're we're ready to get it out there. And it's it's going to be a pretty short, guy, about six songs. But, but you know they're they're kind of longish, and we've been. Um, I mean, the only reason why we're re-recording it is because, uh, uh, as I've made sure everyone knows, um, we've been very very fortunate to work with Jared Reddick of Bowling for Soup, and, oh, wow. and uh, have yeah yeah. Um, and so uh, he uh, he listened to uh, our original single that you can listen to on SoundCloud and all. Um, and uh, ignorance is bliss. He listened to that and uh, he you know thought it was great. And so he offered to be a uh, you know producer for us, executive producer. And uh, so we went into the studio in June and recorded with him and Casey Delorio and uh, at Valve Studio in Dallas such a great time and it's you know it's really cool because i've you know i've been recording for you know however long you know i have been with my brother and you know it's it's really crazy to step into such a professional atmosphere after you know just having you know all my mics thrown together in you know the recording room that i you know have at the house and so it's been a really really great time to be able to do that with them so yeah, hopefully you like it, Alex. Uh, you know, <laughs> uh, hopefully, hopefully you get something out of it. Uh, so, and then yeah. uh, Armando, you a little bit ago, uh, about a year ago now, right? You finished up a film. Uh, Amy oh God, and- it was two years ago, dude. Oh my wow. God, 
Oh my god. But uh, what? Amy, uh, Amy, Amy in a cage. Yeah. Amy, Amy in a cage. That was a uh, Huru Jackson's masterpiece. Uh, it was a comic he made, and uh, this guy from the Comatorium. This is one of our our brethren here. Um, <laughs> and and like you know he oh my god he like appeared in the middle of the night once on the Comatorium, and you know he's been a star there ever since. And uh, we made that movie with he like he just you know there's soul power in the bonds that you create with these you know these people if I may refer to us in such a Right. Um, no, for sure. I don't know. We pulled, we pulled some crazy shit, man. We got Crispin Glover and Paz de la Huerta and Terry Moore and Allison Ashley Arm, who's like from the Disney Channel. Terry Moore was in Mighty Joe Young. Paz was in a bunch of other shit. She gets fired from everything, and I got to fire her. That was sick. <laughs> no, I got to be the one to fire her, man. That was like my job. It sucked, though, because, you know, it was bad. It was pretty bad. Really? True. Oh, man. I, I want to hear this drama next time. We wrote it into the script. Like, she's the last time you see her in the movie. <laughs> it's like the last time she was on set and it wasn't even our idea at all she leaves the set in the movie because of her and Crispin just being like you know I think we should do this and that and so they walk out of the movie and and then that was the last time you see Paz because we had to fire her <laughs> and so it worked you know <laughs> oh, we just moved on <laughs> we but, just moved on but then you're working on a new film right uh, Engrams or am I imagining yeah. something you said it perfectly too. Like a little bit of confusion. You're not sure if it's like an <laughs> A, an E, and what's really sad is that that word is in uh, Nocturnicet, like all over the place. And you know, I listen to that album a lot, and you know, I consider myself a fan of Cedric's and his writing. And I didn't know that the word engrams is all over that fucking album. And I made a movie yeah. called Engrams. And like you know, <laughs> Neil, Neil from Metempsychosis, who's doing the soundtrack, he's like, yeah, man, one of the, you know, the first thing that drew me to it was that I thought, like, you know, you were inspired by Nocturne again. <laughs> like, all right, fine. <laughs> Take it. And, um, yeah, for, those, you, uh, for yeah. those curious, though, um, where could they see uh, Amy in a Cage? Where, where is that available? It is available? on Amazon Prime. You can check that out. Um, it's a trip. It's, like, 90 minutes long, and it's sort of like we were going for the sort of Terry Gilliam meets... Wes Anderson, like, psychotic freak show, but it's fun and very emotional and, you know, it's chaotic. Um, mm-hmm. But there's a story. There, A lot of people think it's just nonsense, but there's a real script there that we worked a lot of time on, and, you know, making movies is hard, so pay attention. <laughs> it was, no, it was, it was a great movie. Like, the... I'm sorry, the moment it came out, I I immediately, like, uh, I think I bought it on YouTube, because I think whenever you guys first premiered it, it was fucking everywhere. Like, you you couldn't, just any website you could think of, or, you know, any sort of uh, medium. I think, was it on DirecTV, too? I think you guys had it on, on uh, maybe. We had it on every service, but when you're the one publishing it yourself, like, everything you just assume is auto-advertised for you anyway, so I don't know what it was really like. Were you legit just putting on every, like, seeing it everywhere? That's kind of cool. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I saw it a bunch was, of places. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it, was... it has like a real strong love hate uh, reaction with people. Like it's up at sixty percent on Rotten <laughs> which is a very solid positive for a movie that every review is either like this is amazing or or like are they on crack or acid or both? <laughs> and what's the answer? Oh, yeah. Either hey, folks. <laughs> I've seen Huru like post uh, some reviews and stuff, and it's it's pretty hilarious. So. And is there any timeline for uh, Engrams coming out? Well, I'm going to American Film Market in November, so I'm going to be pitching that and some new ideas. I'm um, going with my compadre, Natalie, who uh, 
is just a very cool person, and we're going to make it big. Um, <laughs> we'll see. That's if I don't right. sell it, I'll just slap it on YouTube. No. <laughs> You'll never see it. I did make a yeah. short film that hasn't come out yet, but I'll probably attach it to this at some point. as like Because yeah. it's not as good, but it deserves to be seen. Um, yeah. Some of the same people in it. Yeah, but we went all over like Eastern Europe and uh, last fall and during this refugee crisis. And it deserves mentioning that uh, this refugee crisis, you know, broke out on the news here in America, even though, you know, this sort of situation's been going on a long time. It really broke out on our media like a week before uh, the three of us left to meet a friend in Greece. And then the four of us traveled from Greece through Macedonia, Poland, and all the way over to the West um, by train. You know, we flew uh, from Greece to Greece, but then we took train all the way. And there was a lot of problems getting in through to Macedonia. And, you know, it's bullshit. It's a lot of bullshit. Yeah. But it's not like it wasn't life or death. There was never a point where we were <laughs> terrified. This was, this was like in September when we actually were there. And, like, you know, there was nothing. I mean, yeah, there's stuff going on. But it's not like Americans shouldn't be afraid of going to other countries because, you know, the news is like, oh, my God. You know, that yeah, the train station <laughs> yeah. over there may be backed up, and they're in a terrible situation. There's people outside of the fence. They're in a terrible situation. They're suffering. It's really horrible. And then what happens is no Americans go there because they're afraid that, you know, they're going to get attacked or something. And so nobody really sees yeah. how terrible it is. No. So that's... I wanted to say that for some reason. I don't know. <laughs> well, um, thanks to both of you for joining us on what I think will probably be the first of six of special Omar episodes. And uh, yeah, uh, join us next time when we're going to discuss Blind Worms, Pious Swine. And Aranyas en la Sombra. But Nathan, uh, Armando, thanks very much for joining. Thank you very much, Alex.